With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the podcast. We greatly appreciate your support. But before we get started, I wanted to tell you about a success story. I wanted to tell you about my friend Carl up in New Boston, Michigan. He listens to our pods every week and he heard me talking about how I might be able to help him out. So he hit me up over at SaveWithConrad.com. He just closed last month and he left us a five-star review and he had this to say. Not only did we save over $100,000 on our mortgage by removing several years off of it, he also saved us a few months of payments. In follow-up, Conrad and Steve are super helpful when I had additional questions. You can't go wrong here with Save with Conrad. Definitely worth a call to understand what your savings could be. Take Carl's word for it. He saved more than a hundred grand. What have you got to lose? Be like Carl. Go to SaveWithConrad.com right now and find out how much money you can save for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Why not you? Why not now? Go to SaveWithConrad.com and find out how much money you can save for free. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get a quick quote right now. You'll thank me later and you'll be glad you did. SaveWithConrad.com. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate Stevensinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection that is no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. Steven has real expert jewelers on staff and on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through a new virtual video appointment, a call, a text, a chat, an email, and all of this with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Of course, it's Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn, the founder of the Four Horsemen, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, sir? Doing well, sir. Yourself? Man, I'm so excited to be here. It is another hashtag Ask Arn Anything. We have so much fun with these. We give you guys the keys to the castle here and say, 
What do you want to talk about? Hit us with it. That's what we're doing today. Next week, we'll be back with you with Battleground 2015. But before we go any further, Arn, you uh, you did your first Zoom call with all the fans over at adfreeshows.com this past week. And I think it made quite the impression, not just on you, but on a lot of folks. Well, I hope so. I'd like to thank Evan and Lauren. They were made everything just seamless. They great hosts and great on the prep work and uh, just man, as usual, they had to go through Aaron and <laughs> and get her expertise to get the thing rolling. But no, they did a great job and, and thank you to all the the fans that, that uh, got a hold of us on that Zoom and were able to have a one-on-one conversation. It was a fun night. It really was. It was great. And there was a very special moment between a, a very special listener and, your, uh, and yourself. I want to go ahead and play that for everybody here on the main feed. This is audio lifted directly from a video chat that you can view now over at adfreeshows.com. And you can participate in the next one at adfreeshows.com. But a very special fan had a very special message for Arn. And here's that clip. And I wanted to say good night and thank you. Um, I'm a blind wrestling fan, so it's really hard for me to follow along with the chat. But I'm, I just, Arn, I want to say thank you because... I've been blind my entire life. I'm 38 years old. I started watching wrestling when I was seven years old. And your promos, I always knew what was going on. So I just, uh, I want to say thank you for giving me and other fans who can't see what everybody else can, the experience of a lifetime. Randy, I have fell in love with you. During the course of this time, you are a lovely, lovely, wonderful human being. And anybody that's heard this tonight, if you don't get that impression, then you need to double check your own heart and your own heartbeat. Uh, I can't thank you because you put everything in perspective for me tonight. Thanks for waking me up and let me know that a lot of people overcome adversity in this life. Yours is a story that in just a brief moment slapped me right in the face. And I am honored to have met you. And I hope, where do you live, Brandy? I live right outside of Macon, Georgia, sir. I'm sorry, I've been a little emotional since I got out of the hospital. No. The next time we're anywhere that's driving distance, keep keep listening to the show, okay? Oh, I if, do. Sorry. If and, if and when we are allowed to run a live event and we're close enough that you can get there from where you are, you will be my guest at the first show that's possible, okay? Thanks. I want to meet Thank you. you sir. Promise just, me that? Uh, yes, sir. Just don't let Tony come pick me up. Tony Shabani? Yeah. <laughs> Tony Giovanni is not allowed to have a driver's license or a vehicle. Wow. Arn, that's, uh, puts a lot of things in perspective. Does it not? Everything, you know, throughout this whole pandemic and stuff and sitting home and watching television and watching the tragedies going around the world and, and, uh, people that have been together that are, getting jobs as dishwashers. So, so one that, that can see the other just through a window at a nursing home and 
all the things that that matter in this world. I had one jump up and slap me in the face, and uh, young lady called Brandy Smith. Now that may be an alias because this young lady is sharp as a tack, and uh, she got a hold of me, and I could tell that uh, she wasn't feeling well. She was coughing and hacking, and and uh, and she, you know, let the first cat out of the bag that she had the virus, which blew me away that she would, through all of her suffering, and she sounded terrible, coughing and just, just really, really bad. You could tell she was sick, that uh, she had chose to join us on the Zoom. And we started talking a little bit further. And, uh, you know, she said something along the lines of, I wish I could see you like everyone else. I could hear you. And the fact that I could listen to your promos, I knew what was going on the show every week. Oh, by the way, I'm blind. Um, fell in love, I fell in love with that young lady at that moment in time because that's what passion in life, passion about the things you care about, and just sheer will can provide you in this world. And uh, I don't think I've ever had anything take me right by the heartstrings that quickly. And that genuinely, and the fact that she went all through all of that just to have a one-on-one with me and us, Conrad, you're part of that package, everyone else involved, it just, it makes you feel good about life. And uh, I was so honored and privileged to spend a few minutes talking to her. I can't tell you, and I hope she knows that. Matter of fact, before we... Uh, Went on the air today, I gave her a buzz just to check up on her, called her at the house. Thank you, Dave Silver, for rounding that number up for me. And she's still very sick, but she feels better. And And the phone call cheered me up. I hope it did her. And I just, a shout-out goes to her and everyone else that's out there suffering. Uh, if you look just close enough. There's something in every day to be thankful for, and I think we should always remember it. And today I am thankful for Brandy Smith. And we are too. We're, uh, we're thankful for all of the support that we've gotten for ad free shows and the little community that we've built. That's really what we're trying to do. You know, the, the great common denominator of all of this is we all love professional wrestling, not just me and you, the listeners, wrestling fans, but Arn Anderson. I mean, Arn's dedicated his entire life to it and put himself through a lot of travel and a lot of pain and a lot of aches and a lot of bumps and, uh, to not just get on here and, and yuck it up, but know that man, we're, uh, we're all in this sort of human condition together. It was quite a moment with Brandy and, and I'm glad we got to share that with everybody here today and, and appreciate her support. And I'm looking forward to, uh, the next call. I mean, um, uh, it feels like you had fun on the zoom. I'm looking forward to you doing that again sometime. Absolutely. It's an honor and a pleasure. I can't wait. Well, let's jump into it, man. It's hashtag ask aren't anything. We went to Twitter and let you guys ask us all the questions you want. You can participate in our next one. We do these every other week. So two weeks from now, you'll be able to ask aren't anything again. Uh, you can do that by following us on Twitter at the Arn show 
Arn, let's jump into it. Great friend of the show, Joel Wood, wants to know, I know you probably don't keep up with current WWE too much with all the success of AEW, but what are your thoughts on Drew McIntyre and him as WWE champion? Do you think he could be their next guy the way Roman Reigns has been and the way John Cena was before? Sure, I do. Uh, Drew's got it all. He, uh, he looks the part. He's matured. He's paid his dues. He's been around the world to, to learn his craft. Uh, he's came back to WWE with a very mature look, very mature outlook, and uh, just the way he views the business. The only thing I hate about this entire run that he's having is we don't have the fans to show him in the arena how they feel about it because I think he would be getting a very good reception. Fans appreciate guys that have to work for the things they get in this business. They get it, and uh, they understand that that he's paid his dues, and I just hope that they stay the course with Drew and don't get antsy and uh, nervous and just make one of those knee-jerk uh, reactions that they normally do and, and just shut his water off before he gets a chance to show what his value is. I'm really glad that, uh, that you pointed that out because I do feel like this is – perhaps the most frustrating time ever to be a professional wrestler. You know, we've often heard the phrase from guys from your generation and before where they would say things like call it in the ring and underneath the surface, what that sentence really means is, Hey, what are the fans digging? Let's give them a little more of that. What are they not digging? Let's give him a little less of that. But without that response from the crowd, you kind of don't know. It's got to feel like you're just going through this blind, not just from a, an in-ring performer standpoint, but perhaps even from a quote unquote office standpoint, the way you would measure whether or not something was working is audience response. And when there is no response, that's gotta be difficult, not just in the ring, but running the business as well. Right? Yeah. I can't even imagine. I have nothing to compare it to than other than the first week that I actually trained in the wrestling business and it was just in the back of a furniture store and it was Ted Allen who was training me and Tony Zane and David McGee just a few of us like three or four of us in there and we're taking bumps and there's no adrenaline rush there's no music there's no fans there's no cut types of outside motivation whatsoever and i those bumps hurt every single one of them hurt i can only imagine with the high impact stuff they do today coming down that ramp and sliding in that ring and having a match without the most important thing that you need adrenaline because it pilots you completely through every match. And if you don't have any, man, I can only imagine how hard that is. Yeah. It's gotta be very, very difficult. Uh, Joe Hunt has a question that, uh, well, it's like a, a real everyday man question. And, and I can't wait to get your answer. He says, does Arn like to do yard work, you know, mulch flowers, etc." Now that he has more time at home, I think you're going to find me way less than a man's man. <laughs> <laughs> who likes doing that come on you don't like doing that of course you don't i have listen and there's a reason for this it's not that i'm just a a lazy pig when i was a kid 
I had to cut my grandparents' the yard out there, and they had a pretty good sized yard. Not much of a house sitting on it. That's another story, but really big yard. And I cut with one of those push mowers that didn't have a motor. I'm talking about just blades. Oh, wow. You follow that? Yes, sir. You do that every growing up for a decade and probably a half, and you will never want to cut grass again. And my friend, once I started making a few bucks in the wrestling business, cutting grass was out of the curriculum. Yeah, I kind of imagine that that was the answer. Tom Danucci wants to know, what are Arn's memories of using a tire iron as a weapon, and does he wish he used one more often? I remember thinking what a badass equalizer and the nickname tire iron Anderson was pretty sick too. It's kind of a fun idea. You know, I mean, that could have been a gimmick, I guess, somewhere along the way, a tire iron. Sure. Of course. Well, you know, it was small enough that I could hide it in the back of my pants, pull a little vest or sweatshirt over it. You didn't even know it was there. It was pretty functional because it is solid steel. Easy to swing, uh, easy to get to, easy to operate. Uh, and uh, there's been some very, very real occasions, I imagine, out in the real world where a, a guy got his ass kicked, went and opened his trunk, pulled out a tire iron, and got himself back even. So it has a real-life flavor to it. Summer is in full action, and we're thankful for our sponsor today, Manscaped, for keeping us fresh sun's out bums out and hopefully your pubes are not out manscaped offers all the right tools to keep your hair groomed above and below the waist and listen we've all uh we've all had a grooming mishap of some sort in our day and i can only imagine how many the boys have had those razors they used to use well not anymore see manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game they just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add to their Lawnmower 3.0 or the perfect package. Now, Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit, which is going to feature tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. You're probably wearing flip-flops, and people don't want to see those nasty, unclipped toes of yours. No one likes an ungroomed set of feet, fingers, and most importantly, balls. That's why they forever changed the game with the Perfect Package 3.0. Of course, you know the Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the essential Lawnmower 3.0, which is water resistant, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave or, more importantly, a ball cleanup. Of course, this is the third generation trimmer that features the same great skin safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, which of course is their anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner, and that's been designed to give you a little pep in your step. Subscribe today and you'll get the perfect package with a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered right to your door every three months. And for a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value add, 
and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ARN at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ARN at manscaped.com. One more time, 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use our promo code ARN. Summer is here. Time to Manscaped. All right. August has a question that I'm sure some of our Southern fans want an answer to. Arn, you're hungry and you've only got two options. Bojangles or church's chicken. You know, we labor that at our house occasionally. It, uh, I'm a Bojangles fan, but churches, I think is, believe it or not, at the top of the list. Now here's the hook. I think there is only one churches in Charlotte. Oh, okay. and it is all the way across town. And I'm talking about all the way by the time the hunger sets in, there's a Bojangles literally five minutes by the house. And you know exactly where it is because, yes. because you, you stayed there for a bit right yep. over by your, by your place. Yep. It's just too convenient. So, uh, had there been a selection, Within reasonable driving distance, I would have went with churches. Great biscuits. Great biscuits, as well as Bojangles biscuits. All right, I got a little heat over the week because uh, I had a phenomenal Cracker Barrel breakfast delivery to the office on Friday. And I guess I'd been sleeping on Cracker Barrel breakfast. But I say as far as national chains, Cracker Barrel might be the king of breakfast. What say you? Now, are we talking about just just specific AM, and I mean 7, 8 AM breakfast? Yeah, not like chicken and dumplings, but I'm saying sausage, bacon, eggs, pancakes, biscuits, specifically the biscuits. They got the best biscuits in the game when it comes to a national chain. Well, now, see, your, your view, living in your world, that's when breakfast is. Breakfast in my world, when being on the road all these years, was I'm 2 a.m. Two a. <laughs> okay, that's and different. That's Waffle House. You know, that's breakfast, but that's three pork chops, four egg whites, hash brown scattered and smothered. Now, that's my breakfast. I, I haven't really tried one from, from Cracker Barrel, but I tell you what I am a huge mark for, and I mean huge. The dumplings. Mm. Awesome. I rock the, uh, the hash brown casserole too. That's a go-to at Cracker Barrel. I've had that. That's very good too. Yeah. I'm a, the thing about Cracker Barrel and this, you know, you find out all these things, uh, through trial and error. It is excellent if you sit there and eat it, but if you have a 15 minute ride across town, it loses a little bit of luster. I get don't that. ask, don't ask me why it just better eaten there. And in today's time, you're better off to get it and go. So it is the trials and tribulations of fat guys, I guess. Let's get to the next one here. Uh, this is a, an interesting question. Craig wants to know, did any promoter ever ask you to try out a new gimmick that made you want to get back in the car thinking no fucking way? Mm, no, 
No, I was never presented with anything other than what I was bringing to the table. And once the only the only gimmick I really needed was once I became an Anderson. That was gimmick enough for everybody. It was just name recognition right away, and uh, it was definitely a gimmick. But still, it was a uh, a gimmick that that provided you. In most cases, with a uh, bit of respect and uh, no need to mess with it if it ain't broke. Right. Let's uh, let's get to the next one here. Rob wants to know when did Vince sour on tag team wrestling? You've recently revealed here in the show that perhaps part of the reason that the WWF did not make tag team wrestling sort of a main event staple is the idea that there's bigger payoffs involved. You've got to pay four guys instead of two and even freestyled. If there was a manager now it's five. When do you think there was a shift away from tag team wrestling? Well, they went through a time up in the WWF. I can't, I can't specifically tell you when it was. I bet you can though, where they went through all these factions. Um, and I was in, WCW at the time. I mean, they had all these guys with, with three and four and five. 97 uh, is when you're talking about. Yeah. I remember when the factions, there was probably five, six, seven of them and they had four or five guys in a group. Yeah. Um, you know, Taker had the APA and all those guys with him. You had the guys from Puerto Rico. You had all these different factions. You had DX, all those guys. And I would have just, just guessing. Man, when you started paying all those groups, when you would have the big shows and you would have a lot of those factions on there, man, you had a lot of sets of trans. So it went from being just a tag team to four guys, maybe five if there was a manager involved, but managers were starting to go away during that period as well. But uh, if you had all those transportation costs to pay and all that i imagine it did get expensive and it was probably overwhelming so when he decided to peel back from factions and all that he probably just included tag matches in the equation and that was a mistake i would agree you know i mean tag team wrestling it feels like i mean let me get your opinion on this like once upon a time wcw sort of made their splash on nitro certainly with you know main event quality matches not just squash matches but also you know especially when you're trying to sort of set yourself apart from monday night raw the inclusion of the cruiserweights and i think a lot of people look at the cruiserweights and think okay now that was different chat me up do you think that maybe one of the things AEW is going to try to do is feature tag team wrestling and that be their differentiator Whereas maybe it's never on the main event and never taken that seriously on the WWE side of things. It will be the it thing in certain segments on AEW. Well, I certainly think it can because they have some tremendous tag teams. Yeah. I mean, if you just looked at it all encompassing and all under, you know, with all these guys standing in one area where you can just kind of look around the room and go, God almighty. Because, you know, these guys are, are talking together and, and they're eating together and they're sitting together and they're arriving together. And, 
you know, most of them are traveling together. Even if it's just from the hotel to TV, they're, they're together. And you see that they're teams. And they're all different. And I do believe FTR, who I've been so high on, everyone's going to see the reason I was so high on them. Because they can be the one stabilizing effect of tag teams that can wrestle all these different teams allow everybody to do what they do, but still have a rhyme reason and a story to the match. And that is what has been partly missing as far as the storytelling of what a tag match is supposed to be. And these guys are in the role of being professors as far as that goes, because they get it and they understand the whys and they're not going to hold anybody down or anybody back and prevent them from doing the spectacular stuff they do. I think they're just going to be in a position to put it where it goes and have it make sense and give you a little bit more of a structured tag match to what every wrestling fan of the last 30 years or 40 years has come to understand makes sense. And I think you'll see more of that. Let's, uh, let's agree on that. I mean, I think what the young bucks and the Lucha bros and FTR, and, I mean, there's just so many great tag teams and we could keep going on and on SCU just on down the list. I think that's going to be sort of the AEW version of the cruiserweights. Uh, Wes, go ahead. I just going to agree hundred percent. Let's, uh, let's keep it rolling here. Wes has a good question. He says, how does Arn feel the current pandemic would have affected business if this all happened at the height of the Monday night wars, which company does Arn think would have came out on top in the moment and hypothetically would it have changed where we are now? So it's a sort of inception style question. What if this happened in 1998 and instead of Goldberg beating Hulk Hogan in front of a packed Georgia dome. What would that look like if that was in a pandemic? I mean, some of those matches in particular, it's hard to imagine those matches without a crowd. You know, it's a, that's a nightmare. What if, but I can tell you this, there is nothing more that can be done to put on a wrestling show than is being done right now by AEW, we're doing everything humanly possible to still mix it up, give you an interesting show, have a little bit of crowd, which are just, you know, 10 people can get very loud if they want to on either side of the ring. Um, I don't think it would have mattered what decade, what year, what point in time that this pandemic hit, but I think we're all learning you know, right now, the timing is it looked like this thing was going, we were going to get a handle on it. And over a weekend or two of not, not playing by the rules and wearing the mask and doing the distancing and, and really just staying home, this thing has flared up again. So, I mean, it, it's out of our control. I believe this is something of biblical proportion and it's one of those deals that if you don't listen to your health health officials, um, it doesn't matter what we try to do as a wrestling company. It doesn't matter how many stars they had back then and how big WrestleMania was and all that. 
when the government shuts you down to save your life, you better listen. And if this, it doesn't matter when this would have happened, it just so happens it's happening now. It would have shut the business down just like it has. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate Stevensinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a Ready for Love engagement ring collection that is no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. Steven has real expert jewelers on staff and on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through a new virtual video appointment, a call, a text, a chat, an email, and all of this with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning gifts that say, I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to, I hate fast, free and safe shipping. Of course, it's Steven Singer Jewelers. That's I hate Steven Singer.com. It's, uh, it's just hard to imagine how different wrestling could have been, you know, without the, the crowd would, what does Vince versus, you know, Austin look like we've got, we've put these guys, not we, but the circumstance has put so many of these talents it's such a disadvantage. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful things get back to normal sooner rather than later. Yeah, it, it's changed. I mean, and to be honest with you, if you don't, you know, we have, you know, at AEW, we have done a great job of, you know, guys that could, uh, let I me mean, just small things that everyone's pitched in. Guys that were drive that lived in towns that were drivable, whether it be Florida, Atlanta, North Carolina, are driving to avoid flying when it, it seemed like flying was a big risk, being jammed in those. And I'm sure it is being jammed on those planes. It's a big risk. Everyone's pitching in. People would stay down there. You know, there was, you know, there's been times when guys have stayed for three weeks in the. Uh, Jacksonville area just so they would be there for the next set of tapings and stuff. Everyone's been sacrificing and it, uh, you do all you can do from our side, but the fact the key component to anything that we do is fan reaction. It controls our entire industry. If they like what you're doing, you will flourish. It doesn't matter how good your product is. If the fans don't like it, you're going to die on the vine. And without their reaction, I hope they know and can see how important they are so that when we get to go back to live events and having crowds, man, they will raise holy hell and have the time of their lives because that's what controls our business, their reaction. You got to think the very first time there is a live crowd to see wrestling again, man, people are just going to be out of their heads. It's going to be some of the loudest rowdiest crowds perhaps in the history of wrestling when things are back to normal you better believe it i'm gonna be just as loud as they are ron mexico wants to know 
who in the world told Arn Anderson about Warhorse? If you don't watch AEW, well, shame on you. Uh, and you should certainly follow him on Twitter, but Cody has been doing a bit of an open challenge as of late. And I think even tomorrow night, there's another open challenge. We don't know who will answer that challenge, but a clip came out in the last, I don't know, 10 days or so of you sitting down with Cody Rhodes and talking about open challenges and potential challengers. And you said, what about Warhorse? And he had gotten a lot of steam on the independence before the pandemic and had certainly been entertaining fans on social media, but I'm curious too. Ron asked a good question. How in the world did Warhorse get on your radar? Well, just because I am illiterate where <laughs> computers go. Okay. I have advanced this far. I can look on my phone. Go to a Twitter account, go to an AEW Twitter account, go to Con, go to Conrad's Twitter account. My go-to ones that I have to go to, I can go to. And that name, when the fans are talking wrestling and they're talking about what they hear on our show and all this other stuff, names start to pop up. And apparently this War Horse kid has developed a pretty good following out there in the independent world. And if you think about it, 90% of the talent, I would say, maybe a little high, but 90% of the talent on the AEW roster was in the same position he was in. Yes, sir. They were making the Indies and making the circuit and earning their stripes and uh, paying their dues. And Tony Khan has challenged me with uh, – you know, he's getting these calls coming into his office and guys, you know, requesting an opportunity and requesting just a chance to show who they are that that might have never been on TV. We're sitting down and we're talking about it and how long has he been in? What dues has he paid? What kind of guy is he? Is he a human being? Has he earned the right to walk on this show and challenge Cody Rhodes? And some of these names are popping up and this guy had a huge fan base. And, uh, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. He's, uh, let's just put it to you that way. He's on the radar screen. And in this day and time for a lot of guys that would like to be in that spot, that's good enough. If you haven't already set your DVRs and tune in live, it's a Wednesday night on TNT, 8 PM. Eastern Arn Anderson is out there darn near every week with Cody Rhodes taking on all comers and, uh, We'll see what happens if uh, Warhorse is going to answer the challenge or how this all turns out. That's one of the great things about, um, I guess that is one of the great things about it being a closed set. Obviously, in a traditional setting, uh, you guys would be live every single week. But in in times where we are now, to sort of you know uh, mitigate whatever sort of risk there may be with travel, if you can load up and do some other shows while everybody's together. That makes sense, but there hasn't been a ton of spoilers come out when you guys have had to put a show in the can in the old days, that would have been nearly impossible, but it feels like AEW and WWE have both done a pretty good job of that with one notable exception for NXT. Are you surprised that no spoilers have come out? Well, I'm, I'm just thankful that the kids understand once it goes out on Twitter, you know, if you congratulate a guy 
for getting a victory or you shame a guy for getting his ass kicked and you go on Twitter and it's something that's in the can that hasn't aired yet, you just ruined the surprise for all the wrestling fans. That's the biggest crime in all this. If we do have to tape a show following the live show, just so that we make sure we have two weeks of programming for all of you folks that are sitting home chomping at the bit, waiting on it and wanting to see it because it is fresh, it is current, it is live in most situations, it is always live to tape. So it's uh, fresh and you want one of the things that you want to do is is cut it on without knowing the outcomes and right. watch the watch the show. So just to, you know, something in mind for all the talent or anybody that thinks they're doing somebody a service or they're doing something cute. Keep the results to yourself like you have been doing, and let's make this, you know, fun for the fans because that is our obligation, and that's what we're doing. That's why all these efforts are being made and and uh, all the things that we're doing and sacrificing. It's really not a sacrifice when you understand it's a fan-driven business. Everything we do, we do for them, and let's keep it that way. Hey, man, want to make this the best summer ever? What if you could get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments by five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. But what if the little cherry on top was no house payments for two months? That's right. No payments in August or September. You're done until October and come October, you're going to have a better mortgage, but don't take my word for it. Ask Kenneth in Hazel Green, Kentucky. He says, all I was trying to do was refinance down to 10 years in order to set me up for retirement without a mortgage payment. After telling First Family what I wanted, not only did they get me a shorter term, but they were able to reduce my payment and cut my interest rate in half. I could not be more satisfied with the process and the outcome. If you're looking to get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments, and maybe even get rid of all your credit card debt, man, you've got to go to SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can qualify. And because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. That's SaveWithConrad.com. Let's talk a little bit about ratings. You know, this is something that, you know, you probably never had to concern yourself with too much once upon a time. Uh, when you were in the ring and, and, but for whatever reason, fans are really obsessing about, okay, the Monday night wars are over, but now we've got the Wednesday night wars and I had a conversation with, uh, I don't know, we'll call it a wrestling personality this week. Who's very well known and, and very familiar with the business and worked on the inner on the inside for decades. And he said, what's disappointing is I think people are looking forward to Thursday at 3 PM more so than they are the Wednesday night show. And I, I don't, I, I kind of disagree with that, but his point is fans want to argue about it online. And, and very recently, uh, when it looks like AEW had a couple of wins in a row, the conversation shifted about, well, AEW is, is winning the demo. And then Jericho actually brought it to TV, calling himself the demo God. And, and then clearly you guys just, you know, ran roughshod this past Wednesday with the ratings. Do you keep up with the ratings and, and do you think that it has hurt the fun and the enjoyment of some fans who really focus on the business rather than the program? And my example I always give for this, Arn, is 
I love the Sopranos. It was my favorite TV show ever, but I never knew what the ratings were and never cared. I just wanted to see Tony Soprano on Sunday night and it didn't matter to me how much he made per episode or what the rating points were. I was never interested in the business of the Sopranos. I just wanted to be entertained and I was, do you think that fans following the business aspect so closely has hurt their enjoyment and companies sort of talking about it on social or on TV? Is that playing into it? Where do you stand on this? Oh, that's, that's an interesting question. You know, if, let me just say this, you know, and I'm just like you. You know, I, I, until I started helping Rick, you know, booking with WCW and Kevin and sitting in on these readings and all that, I, I didn't care what a quarter hour meant. Yeah. I really didn't. What I did care about as a performer and a wrestler is when am I on on the show, who is my opponent, and how much time am I going to be allotted? That's all I cared about. I didn't. I didn't care what the quarter hour got. I mean, I thought if if you went out and you gave them a good match and the audience thoroughly enjoyed the match and everything went well and technically it was good, we had a success. If it didn't get the highest quarter hour on the show at that time, I thought, well, okay. You know, I, I really didn't even have an answer right. to that. Right, right. Uh, because it wasn't on my radar. Now, if the fans you're speaking of, and I hope – this would be their only consideration because I think they're taking some of the fun of it out for themselves. If they just went on Thursday and saw that, let's just say you're an AEW fan or a WWE fan and you won the ratings for that week, you could just go, yeah, we won. I'm a WWE fan. I helped them win. Great. And then move on. You're part of the winning team. But if you're a wrestling fan, you're going to watch both. Yep. And I would suggest to everybody out there, do that. Watch both. Watch everything. If you're a pure wrestling fan, watch bits of every show or watch every bit of every show and just watch what you like. And if you see something you don't like, just turn the channel. And that applies to everybody. Every every company that has a television show I don't want any of them to suffer. I don't want any of them to not make money. I don't want to see a single guy or gal lose their job because there's just not enough ratings to go around or there's not enough fans to watch the shows to go around or, you know, if they're in a bad TV spot or time spot or whatever the reasoning is. I want to see them all do well because historically – when the business is good, it's not just that one company is good. It means the entire business is doing well and everybody in it are able to take care of their families. And that's all I'm hoping for. So that's what I make out of the ratings. I think they should, all fans should watch everything that, that they have a uh, opportunity to watch and then just judge it based on the quality and what you liked and didn't like. I, I couldn't say it any better myself. Uh, Adam Leeson wants to know Flair or Tully, who would have won a shoot fight? Between Flair and Tully? Yeah. Oh, shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they would have both been figuring out who's, you know, how they got their watch scuffed or their damn. 
<laughs> the knees tore out of Tully's pants. Now he's bitching because it's messing with his look. It'd have been the worst girl fight you ever saw in your life. Sorry, let me back that up. Girls are tougher than the guys these days. It would have been just a tougher, <laughs> just a candy ass fight. I don't think that one would have got very violent. That's tremendous. Uh, the real Chris Hughes wants to know what is your opinion of Michael Cole and his contribution to the business? And I think that's a fun, interesting question because Arn, there's so many fans who are just negative on Michael Cole. And if I'm honest with you, I kind of feel bad for him because first of all, he's in the Steve young position. Steve young once upon a time was given the unenviable task of trying to follow Joe Montana and make no mistake. Jim Ross was the Joe Montana of WWE. So he's in there now and fans don't want him. They want Jim Ross, but at the same time, he's got a madman barking orders in his ear, but that guy's paying him a lot of money. So he's going to say what he needs him to say. And fans don't always like it, but I imagine that everyone who knows Michael Cole uh, in real life shares that same opinion. I don't know Michael Cole. I just know the circumstance just sort of sucks, but you worked with him. What can you tell us about Michael Cole? Well, you better start with, you know, what is he following? You can't follow Jr. and King. No, they had an act that went on for a long time and it was featuring each other to the 10th power. One played off the other. They were just, they were great together. I mean, fantastic together and still are fantastic. And they are, uh, you know, if you're calling wrestling matches, there's nobody better. Now, Michael Cole is stuck in that hot seat and he's not allowed to, to call the match. Right. He's not saying, oh my God, hip toss. Oh, he's climbing superplex block block. Oh, belly bump off the top. Jesus Christ. That's it. None of that is what they're interested in. They're out here banging heads. They being the talent. And he's talking about short stories and everything else that he's fed guys understand Michael Cole is a good announcer and that's a very difficult job. I know myself, it is a very difficult job. And when you're being fed a thought right in the middle of you having your own thought, can you imagine how much pressure is involved there? Right. So I, I think he does a very good job. I think he's very professional. He could call a wrestling match very well if he was just left to his own devices. But there are so many things that no one understands or sees or hears that go into that. And if you're getting screamed at and cussed over that headset, imagine how rattling that might be. It's a, it's a no-win situation when every single thing that goes on is micromanaged. Hire a group, hire a group of pros, hire the best there is you can afford it, and then let them do what they all do. Avenger, uh, you know, as far as their job description, whether it's wrestling, announcing, setting up the ring, lighting, all that stuff. You have the best in the world uh, as far as a budget. To, to hire all these guys, do it and let them do their job. Go check out the beast in the East on WWE network. I think that's one of the rare times where we got to hear Michael Cole actually call wrestling without Vince in his ear, telling him to push something. And you have to appreciate, you know, the attitude there from Vince, I'm sure is, Hey, the way we communicate with our audience is through Michael Cole. So if we've got something to sell, if we need to 
sell a pay-per-view, sell merchandise, sell, sell a storyline, sell a sponsor. Michael Cole is the guy, but you can hear him actually call wrestling in beast of the East. And that's, uh, from 2015, I think Finn Balor wrestled Kevin Owens there for the NXT championship. And Brock Lesnar worked with Kofi Kingston and Chris Jericho was with Neville. It's a good show, but you actually get to hear him call wrestling and to Arn's point, he does a great job. We just aren't lucky enough to get to hear it often enough. Let's run a timeout right now to talk about a friend of ours. Uh, of course, you know, he's uh, always ready. Our great friend, the former Zach writers, Matt Cordona. He's always ready. Remember when you were always ready, you know, to go, well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. No, I'm not talking about major figures. I'm talking about bluechew.com, which creates a major figure of its own. That's blue, like the color blue. And this is uh blue chew. See, Blue Chew is bringing you the world's first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And maybe best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code ARN. That's A-R-N. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com and the promo code is ARN to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, DX927 wants to know, JJ Dillon had a cup of coffee in the WWF in 84 as a wrestler. Let's imagine a scenario where he sticks around and becomes a manager. Because of this, Bobby Heenan might've actually wound up in JCP. Could he have been the manager of the four horsemen? And would this have made the group better, worse, or just different? Uh, I would not be foolish enough to say Bobby Heenan could not do anything. Right. And, you know, if JJ, things being the way they were, JJ was a very polished uh, uh, speaker. He looked good. He dressed up well. He covered the subject matter well. He was very knowledgeable. He was a great manager. Bobby Heenan was a character and almost like having another partner in the corner. He was so animated. He was so quick-witted. He just knew what to do, and he got around out there on the ring, so it appeared he was almost in the match, but he wasn't. Uh those guys would have been good at whichever company they landed with and any time that they landed there, they were just so good. Totally different. Bobby Heenan, I've said before on record, is the most quick-witted guy with one-liners that I've ever seen. Say anything you want to to Bobby Heenan. He's got a joke coming right back at you before you get it out of your mouth. J.J. Dillon on the other side, wonderful human being, one of my dearest friends to this day in the business, Funny in his own right, sharp, sharp-witted in his own right, but just, just different from Bobby. So they would have been successful no matter what they did. 
let's uh let's keep it moving here elliot wants to know i was curious after your initial interaction with van hammer when you yourself and your group basically laughed at him when he indicated he was there to quote unquote save the company what was his reaction was he oblivious was he pissed off at you guys what was his demeanor afterwards oh brother he came in and and delivered the message like he was the messiah and i don't know that he even noticed if there was a reaction or not he said what he had to say and moved on and he was floating on about five feet of air when he came in and delivered that message um it was the biggest belly laugh that i've seen five guys have in maybe history once <laughs> once we figured out we were had not been set up then it really got funny Let's talk about something people never get tired of asking you about spine busters. Dismal abysmal wants to know watching Arn Anderson's spine buster in slow motion today and wondering how many times over the years, Arn accidentally came down hard on an opponent's knee or shin with his gonads. I don't recall ever doing that, but if a guy did not wrap his legs, if I was not allowed to get his legs wrapped around me and get the proper grip and have him positioned around the lower back to control him. If he kept his legs inside, it was a rotten landing and it didn't look good. The move didn't look good. It looked terrible. Uh, so the trick was to have the guy almost jump up in my arms. Like I had him in a bear hug and wrap his legs around my waist that way I could control the entire bump. If his legs were inside, if you're picturing what I'm saying, look yeah. terrible, look terrible. Um, Darnell wants to know, how does it feel to have your work exposed to a whole new generation via the network and through the work of guys like FTR? I was too young to see the original horseman, but I still get to experience your work and you've become one of my all time favorites. I do think that's an interesting question because of the network. A lot of younger fans, and, and I've talked to guys like Kevin Nash or Scott Hall and Sean Waltman, and they'll tell me that, you know, they have five-year-olds coming over to two Sweetum. Well, clearly they didn't see the NWO in 96 or seven or eight, uh, but their dads have watched it on the network and now they're into it. And then you've still got guys who, you know, make it known. Hey man, we're, we're, we're sort of biting their style a little bit with a big time tag team like FTR. Did you expect this sort of resurgence because perhaps this didn't exist in any prior generation of wrestler. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like maybe the guys, a generation before you, they probably didn't have this, uh, second surge of interest. Does that make sense? Sure. hundred percent. I wished I would have had this technology available when I was starting. Yeah. And I could have watched all the guys before me, you know, that whole generation of guys, you know, seventies and eighties. Cause if you, if you're smart and you're open-minded and you take your ego out of it, if you sit down and watch 10 wrestling matches with any, doesn't matter the amount of experience or the quality of the match, good or bad, you can learn something from every single match and you can steal something that you can take and tweak it and twist it a little bit and change the way you present it or where you put it in a match. 
and it looks like something entirely different when it was actually the same thing that had occurred for the last 10 years. You just made it your own. And that's what we do. We all steal from each other. Um, in those days, all you could do is when you would go to a new territory and you would see a guy that would do something that you liked, you wouldn't just blatantly do it the way he did it because the fans would be receptive to that. But the most important thing was if you just blatantly stole the guy's finish and got into it exactly the way he did, guys were offended because that's something, especially if it was a unique to only them move. If only he did it and he just, that he was known for like wrestling too, was known for doing a knee lift for a finish. Had someone else in a different territory started to do it and set it up and did the whole thing the way that he did it. You know, if you ran into that guy somewhere down the road, you were going to have a, you know, some heat with him. And that's the way that knowledge was passed around is you would go to different territories. You didn't have the network and all that stuff. Now, the first technology, correct me if I'm wrong, would have probably been VHS. People taping the VHS tapes and passing them around and selling them and, and all that stuff. Am I correct? Yeah. I mean, listen, it existed before that, but tape <coughs> trading definitely became a thing. And I mean, I used to do it in 96, 97, 98, 99, I was tape trading. And then of course it went to DVDs, but now with the advent of the internet, shit, man, you can watch just about any wrestling match you want. It's in your pocket anytime you need it. Yeah. And I love it. A lot of stuff. I love to go back and watch, you know, some of the old stuff older than me, even the 70s stuff, early, early, early eighties. It's uh it's great to watch. It's magnificent. Here's a sort of interesting I don't know. I guess this is more of a taste and opinion, but yours is always unique. Troy Coleman wants to know if Arn could have won one world title, would he have preferred to beat Hulk Hogan for the world title at WrestleMania or Ric Flair for the world title at a Starcade? No brainer Hogan at WrestleMania. Cause I'd want that payoff. I mean, that's the only answer, right? That's gotta be the answer. There's not another answer. Yeah. Anybody tells you something else. They're lying. You know, I mean, when you can walk in that night in front of those those kind of crowds at that point in time, walk out of there the champion, you know, chances are you just made seven figures. Yeah. That's, on, that's the only answer, if you ask me. Tennessee Tommy wants to know, was the old school forehead like a badge of honor with the boys? Uh, I guess we should acknowledge what we're talking about here. A lot of guys would, uh, have scar tissue built up over their forehead after many years of some bloody wars in the ring. And I'm sure to an outsider that looks fucking weird, but inside the circle, uh, the brotherhood of wrestling, is it like a badge of honor or was it once upon a time? Not really. You actually, um, number one, you wanted to be safe. Yep. You wanted to be, uh, non see-through. You didn't want anybody to see that you were the magic. Yeah. Working the magic. That was the biggest thing. You didn't want to expose anything, 
but you got showed by guys that really cared about you that you didn't go in the middle of your head. Yeah. You go to over on the side and you go the same place every time. And the one, the one rule that I figured out pretty much on my own was they could, as your boss, as the booker, whoever, they could tell you, I want you to work the magic every single night of the week, but they could never tell you how deep to go. That was up to you. And that's how you protected yourself. You know, there I've seen some guys with some really terrible foreheads and you know, I look at mine my whole for my whole head is a scar, period, if you really think about it. But um I didn't have those deep, deep ridges that a lot of guys did that, that really overdid it and didn't clean it afterwards and keep it clean and help yourself heal up afterwards. So you know, it wasn't who had the most ridges, who got the most respect, if that's the question. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess we should acknowledge, you know, some of those ridges, I'll never forget the there was like a shoot interview tape floating around and they would do tricks with Abdul the Butcher where he could like just stick a quarter in his. And I didn't think that was cool. I think that's fucking weird. But then you would see, I think over the years, Rick would like clean it out and then put Neosporin on it. Is that the trick afterwards? Is that the rule of thumb? Absolutely. And Hey, you know, remember something, you know, you, you also want to be able to go to a nice restaurant with your wife and kids and sit down without everybody, you know, walking by the table, looking at you like you were the mummy or something, you know, (laughs) you want to be a human being in your off time. And, and I tried to keep the scarring and all that stuff to a minimum. It it was, we're still going to do what you had to do when you had to do it, but just there was no reason to overdo it and uh, and always keep it clean, just like you would any other injury. If you busted something open, you know, out on the steps or, or you fell off the roof into the bushes and sliced your leg open, whatever it may be, you want to go clean it and make sure, you know, the scar isn't horrendous. Uh, you just, nobody wants to walk around all scarred up. Hey, just wanted to give you a heads up. You're wasting money on your single biggest expense, and you might not even realize it. Just ask Brandon in Texas. Savewithconrad.com. Just hooked him up. He left us a five-star review, and here's what he had to say. This whole refinance process has been super easy. It's been entirely stress-free. I had a good interest rate beforehand and no real need to refinance, but I finally looked into it after hearing Conrad's ads. Turns out they were able to cut five years of payments, saving me about $50,000. Man, Brandon saved 50 grand and he thought he had a great deal. How much can you save? Find out right now for free at savewithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket and we're licensed in more than 40 states so we can help more families than ever before at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? At savewithconrad.com. Here's a a fun question from Derek Downey. Did you ever practice your promos? And if you did, would you stand in front of the mirror and repeat it? Or did you just wait and go for it in the ring? I know that that is, uh, is so inside baseball, but I do think as you're trying to build your confidence in front of speaking in front of an audience and you really want to do a good job, well, yeah, you probably do want to practice, but I'm sure some of our listeners would think, Oh, that's weak. Why would you do that? Just go call it in the ring. 
maybe eventually you got there, but as a young person, I think you probably have to practice in a mirror, right? In some cases, maybe, probably. I did exactly that. I would go, but I would not get in a mirror. I would go get in a quiet room where no one was going to come in and there were no distractions. And I would basically just shut my eyes and I would run it through verbally through my head. Yeah. I wouldn't look in the mirror or anything like that, but I would literally almost go inside my own head and start to position the bullet points that I wanted to say, how I wanted to be descriptive, how I wanted to explain them. If I wanted to be funny in that one, where was the punchline? If I wanted to be serious, you know, what was the tone? What was the volume? All those things. But I did it all within my head. I put it together inside my head so that when I got out there, it's still kind of, it's funny. It's like it's it's underlying in your mind, but you're walking to the ring, you're stepping through the ropes, you're acknowledging the crowd. You're, it's, uh, it's almost like multitasking. You're keeping that outline that you came up with in your own mind it's just kind of floating there in the back of your head. So when you start the promo, you basically just run through what's in your head and play off of the audience. Yeah. You know, they're going to, just like everything else, you may have an opening line and you expected them to boo the shit out of you. Well, maybe they give you huge yays. Well, that's going to screw this whole thing up if I don't correct it right now. So maybe you add something in. Hey, I don't need your help, which immediately turns the crowd on you. They might have been pro you one line ago, 30 seconds ago. Now they're not. Uh, just little things like that, and you have to be able to ad-lib. And, and, and basically it's just like, like working a match. You just go tell a story. You tell it in your own terms. The biggest key is talk to the audience, not at them. Cause there's a big difference. We've got a great question here, uh, about an old school legend, especially in these parts of the woods. Brent wants to know, can you talk a little bit about bullet Bob Armstrong? I think people outside of the Southeast don't realize just how big of a star this guy was. He beat Hogan flair and car carried the Southeast for a long time. And how big could he have been? Had he chosen to leave Pensacola for a major market? Well, I think Bob Armstrong could have done anything he wanted to. Um, he was huge in like the Georgia territory and the Pensacola territory and the Florida territory. I don't know how much he went in and out of Memphis, but he was he was good enough. And Bob Armstrong is a is a fine human being. I owe him a lot. He gave me my first break. I'll never forget it. Um, but he was a very safe performer. He was always in that weight room. He was fit. He looked good. And he did promos that you would believed 100%. One of the, you know, it was one of the things that struck me early on. You know, I didn't want to copy Bob, but I wanted when the thing was done, the promo was done, I want to believe what that guy said. And boy, did I. And, and when I started to, you know, figure out my own promo style. What are you going to say or how are you going to say it? It's going to make people believe at least that you believe what you're saying. And uh, I think he chose because he, like everybody does, 
went to Pensacola and he bought in down there and got like 10% of the company with the Fullers and Jimmy Golden and it's paradise. Conrad, you know, you go down there to Destin all the time Yeah. to live there. Every, every wrestler in the country wanted to go to Pensacola, even if it was between the bigger territories where they were working every single day and traveling themselves to death. They wanted to go there for six, eight months, maybe a year just to re-energize because it was paradise. And it is to this day. Matter of fact, I was just down there. Most beautiful beach in the world. Best kept secret in the world uh, from Pensacola all the way to Panama City. It's just beautiful. Uh, but I think he chose to stay there because it was such an easy place to work. And, and he was there for probably what, 10 years. Yeah, probably more. Mm -hmm. I mean, but to your point, well, the, the quality of life is huge because he's, he's making great money. And to your point, yes, maybe he could have made more money somewhere else, but to be home in your bed every night and get to hang out on the beach every day, man, that does not suck. That's a great no. quality of life. No, it does not suck. And, uh, I wish it was available for guys today. I wish there were still some territories to go to, uh, because that was ideal and fantastic. He made that choice, I think, but he could have been successful anywhere he went. I know. We'll do a couple more and then we'll wrap this week up. Uh, Rad Eagle wants to know, was there ever a time when you got in the ring and it became a shoot? Not, not really. No, there was, you know, and I've said this before that there would be some guys occasionally that would come to TV and they would get booked and maybe, you know, the guy that broke them in the business and got them booked on TV, like Atlanta, we called it Atlanta TV in the old days, Georgia championship wrestling. If you know, there were guys that maybe had five matches or four matches or or, you know, no experience. They had just went through some guy training them maybe for a couple of weeks and maybe they hadn't had a first match and they come out there and, and in most cases, I think they weren't trying to take advantage of the fact that now they're on TV, you know, forget about their job that they've got, you know, stacking lumber, which is their real life back at home. Now they're down here and they're going to get to wrestle on TV and they get amped up and, you know, they, they get impossible to move around. Maybe they try to leg dive you or they just completely blank out once they step inside the ring and realize, hey, I'm on national, if not worldwide television, you know. Uh, I never felt that it was a guy that was in there trying to take advantage at my expense. expense is that word I'm looking for, but when those guys, the only thing, you know, that you could really do to calm them down is whack them pretty good. And I'm not saying hurt anybody. That's the last thing I've ever wanted to do. I never went to the ring to hurt anybody. And, you know, it's just like getting a potato. You know, you get potatoes from some of the most accomplished work workers in the business. You let it go. But if that guy gives you another one in that same match and it it's – the same recklessness, you know, you, you give them one back because you got to let them know you're being reckless with my body. And that's what you would do with these guys. You would, you know, you would take them down and, and whack them a little bit and, you know, just say, Hey, relax, you know, uh, I don't want to take this any further. And that was not a conversation that happened. It was almost telepath telepathic. 
And uh, usually those guys would just relax and let you move them around and do what you had to do. But it was more being green and just not knowing than a guy, you know, because that's just not good business. You don't slide in and turn something into a shoot. That that TV time is meant to be a business transaction. You don't own that time. That time doesn't believe, belong to you to go out and uh, and whatever your agenda is that day, get it fulfilled. It's You're there to be on that show and do what you're paid to do. So I never ran into any shoots in the ring, to be honest with you. One last one, then we'll wrap this week up. This one comes from Ben. He says, what were your thoughts on the Pillman Sullivan Booker man angle that happened at WCW super brawl six? Did you know what was going to happen? How did you end up being the one to come out and wrestle Sullivan in the strap match? Did you think it was a work or a shoot? What was going on? Well, they didn't tell me and they didn't tell anybody. There were people to this day that wonder at that point in time when the angle was going on, what was real, what was what was worked. And Kevin got pretty, you know, he got pretty tight-lipped about the thing. And I was I was still helping Kevin do some of the booking and some of the stuff and, you know, agenting some of the shows and all that. And, uh, that particular night, obviously, as you could see, I was not dressed to wrestle. I was not scheduled to wrestle. I had a pair of walking boots on and friggin', uh, polo shorts for God's sakes. And when Pillman bailed out, left the building, they were left with a chunk of TV time and, Referee come running over and said, uh, hey, Kevin needs you out there. You need to work the match. Pillman split. Now, this is on live television. Uh, so I came down to the ring, asked the referee what was going on. He said, you guys got to fill about 10 minutes. So, ding, 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 here we went. And I believe, what was it, a strap match or something? That's right. Yeah, and so we just, without me having a clue as to which, you know, was I a pawn in this? Was I going to be told after what the hell just happened? But it's a funny thing. They trusted me as a professional to go out and just work something that may or may not have started as a shoot. So they trusted me to be able to fill in the blanks. We went out, did what we're going to do. I don't even remember what the finish was. Um, but we beat the piss out of each other, so I don't think the audience was let down. It's just my angle was not with Kevin that night. It was I was not supposed to be his opponent. And when you buy a ticket to see a match, usually the guy that uh, fills in is not going to be adequate. And I'm pretty sure I was not adequate as the opponent they had paid to see. So who knows? what was what it was it was some times where a lot of stuff was getting thrown up against the wall to see if it would stick and uh that was one of those nights well it's one of those nights where we have to wrap things up we hope you guys have enjoyed hashtag ask anything we'll be back next week with battleground 2015 as you can see arn probably tomorrow night on aew dynamite on tnt of course we know 
It airs at 8 p.m. Eastern. Don't you dare miss it. Next week, though, Battleground 2015. Our main event is Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins. It's for the World Heavyweight Championship. We've got John Cena working with Kevin Owens for the U.S. title. Charlotte is going to be working with Brie Bella and Sasha Banks in a triple threat match. We've got Bray Wyatt in there with Roman Reigns in the middle of the card. We've also got the tag titles on the line with the primetime players and New Day. And in the opener, that's right, the opener, it's Randy Orton and Sheamus. It is a star-studded event from July 19th, 2015 in St. Louis, Missouri. Big time, big time action on this one. Looking forward to breaking it down with Arn next week. Hope you guys are digging it. If you've got a question for Arn, be sure to follow us at The Arn Show. We'll be back next week with Battleground 2015. But if we didn't ask your question this week, we could ask it in two weeks. Don't forget, ask Arn anything every other week. And as always, you can get all of these shows early and ad-free. Just check it out right now over at adfreeshows.com. He is at The Arn Show. I am at Hey, hey It's Conrad, and we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on Arn only on Westwood one. There's no better time to say, I love you. And the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say, I hate stevensinger.com and you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step. Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That is no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. Steven has real expert jewelers on staff and on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through a new virtual video appointment, a call, a text, a chat, an email, and all of this with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning gifts that say, I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to, I hate fast, free and safe shipping course at steven singer jewelers that's i hate steven singer.com i've been telling you for a long time that save with conrad.com can save you money but don't take my word for it hello good morning josh this is dave silver with save with conrad how are you my friend i'm doing well so what made you come to save with conrad in the first place uh having listened to the podcast for a while refinancing our home had been something that you know we had kind of thought about before in the past but just never kind of pulled the trigger on and then finally i said you know what i uh, i listened to the man's podcast enough uh, what what her could it do to uh see exactly what conrad and his team could do for us and it's one thing i'm glad we did oh man us too um now i see here that you worked with derek on your refinance how was it working with derek and the team uh derek and the team were absolutely great uh, they answer my questions quickly. You know, we're very forthright with everything, very quick to respond, and uh, just made the entire process painless. Wonderful, wonderful. How much money was Save with Conrad able to save you? We had 22 years left on a 30-year mortgage. Uh, we also had uh, two car loans that we were paying on. So uh, through this process, we knocked uh, we knocked down from the 22 years we had left to a 15-year refi, and uh, we. 
uh, got enough money on top of that to pay off one of the car loans. So not only did we save seven years of paying mortgage payments, but our monthly payments between what we were paying on the mortgage plus the car loan that we paid off, the money stayed the same. So our, our money output at the end of the month stayed the same, but uh, like I said, we saved seven years of mortgage payments. Man, congratulations, dude, that's awesome. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.